from the NFL. We know the Browns have talent, but I'm not sold on this rookie head coach. To the NBA. Kawhi Leonard has added his name as one of the best players in basketball. Across the landscape of college football. The Pac-12 got how many teams in the top 25? And so much more. Boxing needs a Dana White. It has too many chefs in the kitchen. The stories you want. The Zeke Elliott holdout could be coming to a close. The opinions you need. LeBron is coming back with revenge on his mind. The king is back. It's Jay Wise. I keep telling y'all my last name is no joke. And Nathan Drinkard. If they don't win this game, it's a wrap. Stick a fork in them. They're done. This is A Drink of Wisdom. Welcome to A Drink of Wisdom. With Jay Wise and Nathan Drinkard, I'm your host, Cody Ward. Thanks for spending some of your time with us tonight. As a reminder to our listeners, besides being on all your favorite podcast platforms, The Drink of Wisdom is also on YouTube, with each so segment available. Head on over, and if you like what you hear, we'd appreciate you hitting the subscribe button. What's going on, guys? What's going on, everybody? Man, packed show today, so it's a good thing we're all here. We got the beard, we got the drink, and we got the wisdom as well. Let's do it. Let's talk some sports, baby. Hey, I want to give a, sh- a quick shout out to my boy DNA too. Um, as you can see, I got this lovely sweater from him. Uh, he do it for the culture culture, as you can see. And uh, I slapped that link down in the description box, and we'll go from there. Over to you, Cody. Awesome. All right, y'all, in episode 61, we have a 2010s NFL All-Decade team, and we begin our draft coverage with the AFC and NFC East. Let's go ahead and begin the night with the NBA. The season is still on hold right now amid the COVID-19 outbreak. The latest from them is no decision will be made before May 1st via Adam Silver. So let's go ahead and take an opportunity to look at the All-NBA teams if the season were to end today. These are obviously our personal lists, since the real ones are awarded to later on, to the end of the season, and let's hope that's not anytime soon. So, Drake, let's go ahead and start with you, man. Who's your first team All-NBA? Okay. Before I get into this, I want to say there is no standard that the NBA has put for the All-NBA team as of now for this year. So, it's just three guys spitting out who we think should be All-NBA first, second, and third team. So, please try not to kill us if you don't agree with what we say. <laughs> I did go with the format of two guards, two forwards, and one center, just like the normal Momo Jumbo. So with that said, let me kick it off. For my first guard, I went with James Harden of the Houston Rockets. I would like to remind people of this. At one point in this season, James Harden looked like he was going to average 50 points a game. If you look in that first quarter, about first quarter and a half of the season, he was just completely on fire. Then it got rid of Clint Capella, and then everything else happened. But I will remind people, do not remember the James Harden that was there before the break that kind of teetered off a little bit. I'm going off, you know, the totality or the body work. My second guard, the young the young Slovenian, Luka Doncic, or the, or the Denver Mavericks. Listen, this kid was fantastic. When we started talking about NBA teams making a playoff or championship-level NBA teams, playoff-level NBA teams, however you want to look at it, Dallas was a team that we didn't quite – we was like, ah, we got to see it to believe it. We knew Christoph Porzingis was coming. We knew that they had Luka. This is only his second year, so we, we needed to see some proof before we gave him the pudding, per se. We got to see that proof. And remember, at one time, during that same time, Luka Donich – was an MVP candidate. 
He was. He was the third guy behind uh, the Greek Freak and behind LeBron James at one point. Then he got hurt. He kind of fell out of the conversation. And then, you know, the rest is history. He came back, and they, they supplanted themselves into the, the playoff race. All right, moving on to the forwards. My first forward, I got the, the ageless one, LeBron James in year 17. He's out here leading the NBA in assists. He's still one of the best players in the world at year 17. I don't think I need to go into why he's the first team on, on my first team. But the second guy I want to talk about is Giannis Antetokounmpo. We're going to call him the Greek freak for the rest of this. No, I don't, no self-explanatory for him either. Let's be honest. These two gentlemen, they're both the leading candidates for the MVP conversation. So it's only right that they're both first team forwards. They deserve it. Been playing outstanding ball. We'll see how if the if the season remains. If it don't remain, we'll see how the awards go. But those are my two forwards. And then for my center, I went with Nokolai Djokovic. Listen, all these good players, but tell me how many teams actually run their offense through the center. The Nuggets got to be one of the few. This guy, he's a stud. A little, uh, you know, could do better around the rim. He's a little soft around the rim for my liking, but. He brings you so much with everything else, his vision, his playmaking. And listen, like I said, one of the few teams that actually run their offense through the center. So I went with Jokic. So just to give a quick run through, that was Harden, Dantich, James, Giannis, Jokic. That's my first team All-NBA. Over to you, Jay. Yeah, for the, let's see, for the most part, didn't deviate a whole lot. I think I'm with you on James Harden, and yeah, his his start to the season was absolutely fantastic. He's he's tailed off a bit uh, after the Clint Capella trade, as, as and Russell Westbrook, to his credit, has seen his play elevate. So, but it's hard for those guys to be at full 100% all you know operating at all cylinders. So, but James Harden's a first teamer. I don't think any questions about that. He's averaging 34 points a game leading the league in scoring, leading the league in free throw makes, free throw attempts, and uh, second in PER. Uh, LeBron, and I, I deviated a little bit from your traditional uh, positional um, requirements. I just want to get that out there because I got I got LeBron James at the second guard. I've been told he's been playing point guard this season. So I'm going to give him credit for that. I got him at the I got him at the other guard position, and on this team, on this first team, he would be the point guard. You're absolutely right. He's leading the league in assists. He's giving you about 26, 8, and 11. A- absolutely fantastic. Maintaining a high level of efficiency. He's seventh in, uh, in PER. And the Lakers are the, have been the best team wire to wire in the Western Conference. LeBron's a major, major reason for that. And then you get to the Fords. Uh, the Greek Freak absolutely deserves to be there. Uh, MVP candidate. Li- likely would win the award if the, if the season uh well, the season, I guess, if you can look at it, it is over today. So I, he'd have my vote today, and he's been nothing short of spe- spectacular. He's third in points. He's, he's he's third in rebounding. He's first in player efficiency rating. The Bucks have been the best team in the East, wire to wire, and they've only trailed off recently because of his injury. Otherwise, they'd still be miles ahead of the pack, uh, and that that's for the entire NBA. They maintain a good lead in the East. But, yeah, Giannis is a no-brainer. Uh, then we get to we differ we differ at the last forward and the and the center. I, I'm giving Kawhi Leonard uh, a spot on this team. I, I think he's been fantastic this season. He's giving you 20. He's giving you 27 points a game. Good good efficiency. Seven rebounds, five assists, 
I'm not going to sneeze at that. The Clippers have been the they're the second best team in the West. They took some time to get going. We know about the injury uh, to Paul George, and I, I'm giving uh, and how he hasn't been himself throughout the season consistently. And I'm giving Kawhi Leonard extra point uh, extra points for uh, playing hurt. I think he's been playing through through a knee injury this season. You've mentioned that on several occasions, and yeah, he's missed his share of time trying to manage that injury. But I'm, I'm giving him credit. He's, he's been fantastic. Fifth in player efficiency rating, maintaining his high level of play on both ends of the floor. So I got Kawhi on this team. And in my last spot, I know he don't like to play center, but he's playing it for this team. Anthony Davis. Um, you talk about uh, the effect LeBron James is having the Lakers. Uh, Anthony Davis leads the Lakers in a multitude of categories in points, rebounds, steals, blocks, and shooting over 50 percent of the field. He's a great free throw shooter. He's third in player efficiency rating. And then this is something you might not think about, but in terms of win shares offensively and defensively, he's the only player in the NBA in the top five of both offensive and defensive win shares. So I think I think in this NBA today for this season, I think you'd be very hard pressed to find a better lineup than what I've just laid out for you. James Harden, LeBron, Kawhi, the Greek freak and Anthony Davis. Yep, I got pretty much what y'all have. Just have a little bit of a mismatch of both. Uh, I, I agree with Harden and uh, Doncic for the two guards. Uh, obviously, Harden three two points per game. Uh, you, you do have that little tail off towards the end of the season, but man, it's just it's hard to find another guard that's doing as much as he does uh, with their team and, and leading the team like he does. And Doncic, I like a lot. I mean, the Mavericks have started to slip a little bit as well. Uh, they're down to I think seventh in the West, so a little bit of a concern. But I think when Porzingis really gets going with that offense, they're going to take back off. Uh, and then I have I have LeBron and Giannis for my two forwards. Uh, no surprise there. Um, I have LeBron and small forward just because that's what he plays. But you're right. I think he's that, that's crafty. He's pretty much is a guard this season. So uh, I think putting him there is I mean, I, it's amazing what he's doing and how he's evolved his game at this point in his career. And I do have AD for the center spot. I think his defense to me gives him a little bit of an edge over Jokic, but it's just slight. I think that, you know, AD could easily win defensive player of the year this year. So I think that I would, that gives me just enough to put him in the, in the one spot over Jokic, but it's, um, it, it's close. It's so close between the two. So uh, let's go ahead, uh, go to second, I'll, second team drink. What you got? All right, so my first guard for my second team, I'm going to go with Damian Little uh, for the Portland Trailblazers. Listen, I know the Trailblazers has been a hot mess this year. I, I got it. I'm the first one to tell you that. Hot mess. But the one consistent that the one consistency that they have have is Little has been playing in the all-star level. I think at an all-NBA level, he ended up getting hurt right before the all-star break. That pretty much put the nail in the coffin for the Trailblazers as far as making a push for that eight spot. Listen, I know they was making a push, but let's be serious here. If the NBA decides to go forward with the NBA season, if you ain't in right now, you're just not going to be in. They're not going to have time to run it for a couple of more games and let you go on the high street. We ain't got time for that. It is what it is. Opportunity is lost. My second guard, I'm going to go with Russell Westbrook. Jay mentioned it. When, see, I think the Clint Capella trade hurt Harden but help Westbrook because the one thing Westbrook is phenomenal, A1, MVP, Mr. Triple Double, Hall of Fame, is space. If you give him space, he he utilized that space about as good as anybody. When they got rid of Clint Capella, I'm sorry, I say got rid of like he was trash. When they traded Clint Capella, 
right? When they traded him and brought in uh, Robert Covington in that trade, that opened up that lane for Russell Westbrook to do what he's doing now, which is going back to that MVP Russell Westbrook, going back to that triple-double. He's playing phenomenal ball right now. And if, you know, some would probably could say he's the better guard, I, I, I'm not in that. But if you want to say that, it's an argument to be made, I'll let your boy. My first boy is Anthony Davis. Hey, you heard what Joe, you heard what Jay said. Let's be real here. He laid it out the facts. The one thing he didn't say that I thought he was gonna say was if when whenever they start the awards, I think this is your defensive player of the year, Anthony Davis. Uh it's some guys that can, you know, probably make that claim, but when you look at what these guys have done for the Lakers, LeBron is the best player on that team, that's no doubt. But look, he can't get it done without the the big hand that he gets of Anthony Davis. And Anthony Davis is the chief and commander when it comes to that defense. He runs the show. So I think that's your defense player of the year. And then speak, keeping it on defense, my other four would be one Kawhi Leonard. Listen, if it wasn't for the fact that he decides to do load management on his own, he would have been an MVP candidate. Because it, you can't overlook what he do for the Clippers and look where the Clippers are located within the infrastructure of the top teams in the NBA and don't think it ain't done by Kawhi Leonard. Paul George didn't miss half of the season. So don't give me the, oh, he got Paul George. Yeah. So do the handicap sign. Listen, <laughs> he had, now when Paul George come to play, this is a, these, these are some bad boys. But Paul George been hurt. That's just all it is to it. And, and Jaden said it. That's why he's the X Factor, because you just don't know what you're going to get from him. You don't even know if he's going to show up to the game. So Kawhi Leonard has definitely earned all NBA accolades, and that's why he's my second team uh, for it. And then for my center, I'm going to go with uh, Joel Embiid of the 76ers. Listen, let's take out the lack of leadership. Let's take out all the antics. All right, when we go player for player, uh, stat for stat, this, this a bad boy, all right? If he was not so concerned with what happens outside the court, he would have been on my first team. But because he cuts a buck and he he just he want to be on Twitter going, you know, I would love to be in Miami. Look, that ain't it. All right. He, his lack of leadership really turns off guys like me and some other guys as far as what he does for the, the team. Now, what he does for the team, he's the best player on that team. Let's make no mistake. Bar none, Joel Embiid is the best team, best player on the 76ers team. But he lacks a lot of those intangibles, as they call them. And that's why he's on my second team as a, as a center. So with that said, my second team is Little, Westbrook, Davis, um, Leonard, and Embiid. Over to you, Jay. Yeah, uh, <clears throat> love, the, love the guard picks. I, I, I'm going to tell you, I was one of, one of the objectives I had was to, when I made these uh, teams, was to reward winning and I, I missed the mark on the second team because I was I, I began this with the thought that I would bump Lillard to the third team. But it, it's just tough because, you know, I'm looking at some other guards, you know, down below uh, Lillard. And it, it's just hard to elevate those guys because Lillard's had a fantastic season. He's averaging career highs in scoring field goal percentage and he's averaging a career high in assists. So he's doing he's doing a great job out there. It just 
the supporting cast hasn't worked out. They've had, they've had injuries, you know, with the Zach Collins of the world. And I, I swear, if I if I have to bring up Yusuf, Yusuf Nurkish one more time, I'm so sick of bringing this guy up. Just you talk about a handicap spot. He he's the, you know, <laughs> handicap employee of the year. But hey, Lillard's been nothing short of fantastic. It, it is unfortunate that the Blazers have been a monumental disappointment in my mind. You look at the Western Conference; they got to be the biggest disappointment in the Western Conference. But individually. I think he's got to be on the second team uh, at least. And then Russell Westbrook, uh, you you laid it out. The the Capella trade, uh, I'm going to say it absolutely benefited Westbrook. And then the benefit it gave to him, that that may lead, like, you know, maybe a second-tier effect was that Westbrook's the, – the improvement of Westbrook may have hurt Harden, you know, secondary effect. But hey, at the four spots – I'm going I'm to go back to y'all's first team. I, I got Luka Doncic down here. I understand. Look, he's one of them guys that you guard forward. What does he do? Well, he does a whole lot. And for the Dallas Mavericks, who I don't think any of us saw uh, them playing this well, I thought they'd be a year away from playoff contention. But the reason they're here is because of Luka Doncic. And, you know, this is a guy that's sixth in points, fourth in assist, and he's fourth in player efficiency. Uh I would have him on my first team. I'm just being a little bit tough on him because the Mavericks are down in the seventh spot. And, he, and he, you know, some injuries, you know, here and there. So a little bit, I mean, I'm, I'm docking him for durability a little bit, but hey, still well-deserved to be in this conversation. And had he not missed, you know, so many games, much stronger argument of the first team. But I, I got no problem that you guys have him on your first team. I, I got at the other four spot. And this goes back to rewarding winning uh, Pascal Siakam uh, from Toronto. I don't think the advanced metrics are all that kind. He's only, I think he's about 50th in uh, PER, 54th to be exact. But the Toronto Raptors, when we take a, when we take into account what they've done this year, uh, I think we all would expect uh, a drop off in performance and winning. And they've been about on par with what they did last year with Kawhi Leonard. So, and we have to look at Pascal Siakam. Uh, getting that getting that big contract and from my mind he's earned every penny of it he's been a bona fide first option he was a starter in the all-star game for the eastern conference with all that in mind i gotta ha- i gotta have him on this team somewhere and I'm, I'm putting him on the second team i think it's well deserved and then going back to drinks first team i got the joker at the center position the the uh, Denver nuggets they're third in the west which is that's not that's something we got to take seriously because you know, third in the West behind the Clippers and Lakers. So you're the best of the rest. We got we got to put some respect on. It's tough to be higher than that. Uh, but jo- the, the Jokers have another great year. He's giving you 20 points. He's averaging a double-double. And you talk about running your offense um, through a big guy. Yeah, you're absolutely right. And he's giving you a whole lot of assists. Uh, it, it's funny. Uh, one of the interesting things when I was going through this, I believe, and I, I, I could be wrong, but – uh, Jokic, I think, on all the guys I've got all NBA, is the only guy who's played in every game for his team. He's played in all 65 games. And when you look at his body type, you look at his frame, you know, it's a it's a wonder because when you just look at him, you would say, man, this looks like a guy that might break down at some point. But you got to give him credit. Durability, and uh, he, he obviously is a high-end producer. So uh, just to recap, uh, Damian Lillard, Russell Westbrook at the guards. Uh, the Fords are Pascal Siakam and Luka Doncic, and the Joker is the center. 
Nice. So I've got most of those guys that y'all just mentioned, either the first, second team. But I do have one y'all haven't, though. And that's, I've got Chris Paul at my first guard spot. Uh, I think it's just simply amazing what he's been doing at Oklahoma City and how good they've been this year. You got to talk about a guy that got traded there and then, you know, he was kind of expecting to leave town and then he didn't. And he just basically got dumped off in the middle of nowhere. He's got a bunch of just these random guys. The team kind of fell apart. And there were so many times that Chris Paul could have went, you know what, forget this or just packed it in, mailed it in. And he's not. He's he's leading this team to a 40 and 24 record. They're fifth in the West and they could be as high as third. They're in striking distance of up to third place. And we look at the roster and what he's got to work with is nowhere near what the teams like the Clippers and Lakers have among others. And I think that it's just amazing. I mean, Damian Lillard for a pure stats perspective has been better, no doubt, but Lillard's team is much worse than Chris Paul's team. And, uh, the fact that also Lillard has missed about 10, 12 games this year. You got to hold that against them a little bit, I guess. I, I hate to do it, but it is what it is. Uh, Chris Paul's been more available, and he's, I mean, he's, man, it's, it's amazing. And then going down the rest of them, agree with Westbrook. Uh, I love what he's doing with his game, how much he's changed his game. Uh, a guy that a lot of people thought he would never be able to do that, and he is now. And then on top of that, you know, going to your forward spots, I've got Leonard and Siakam as well. You guys mostly talked about it on there. And then I've got uh, Jokic for my center. Did we lose? Did we lose drink? Uh, looks like we did. Okay. We'll try adding him. We'll try adding him back. Or do I need to do it? Uh, you can. Yeah. I can do it. Give me. A, yeah, give me a sec. Yeah, one second, folks. A little technical difficulties. Try to run through our third teams real quick after this. Uh, let's see if we can get him back real quick. There he is. Welcome back, Drink. Go ahead, Drink. We just uh, uh we just yeah, finished we up just, our second team, so if you want to go yeah, ahead and man. get to the third team. Oh, yeah, all right then. Let's we do got a lot it. to get um, to tonight, so let's let's roll through these. We got a lot okay. to get to tonight. Hey, hey, you ain't gotta tell me twice, baby. Let's roll. Third team, all right. With my guard spots, um, with my first guard, I went with Chris Paul. Hey, you laid it out. Why Chris Paul uh should be on the all NBA team. Listen, we know this. When OKC made that trade to send Westbrook to Houston and get Chris Paul. That was just a ploy. They want to get some picks. They want to get the money off, even though the money thing kind of even itself out. Chris Paul was supposed to go to Siberia. That's what it was. It wasn't supposed to be going to be no winners. It wasn't supposed to be going to a, cel- a, cel- uh, a, a celebratory place. It was just supposed to go there and die. Then we thought, okay, cool, listen. That what they're going to do is they're going to take him on. They're going to trade him and get some more picks on top of the picks they already got. That way they got a, a you know a slew of picks, and they're just going to rebuild this thing, right? Chris Paul said, hold on. Uh, pump them brakes. I get a chance to be a leader again? Hold oh, up. Let me get some of this. Where you at, Gillis Alexander? So all this got mixed up. Steven Adams came back alive again, and now we're talking about a playoff team. Well-deserved. I, I love to see Chris Paul back in the mix. With my next guard, another young gun, second year in the NBA, him and Luca. We know we know what the, the relationship is between the two, and that's one Trey Young. Now, before you beat me up, yes, this is the only player that's probably on my roster that's on a, a straight clunker. Just like straight. At least Damian Lillard got a name for himself. So that's a little different. Trey Young, second year, he's on the clunker. But look, here's the deal. My man got enough confidence to say that he's gonna come out here and re- replace. Steph Curry, when it comes to one of the best shooters in the NBA history, <laughs> I want to see that. But the, the boy got range. He got range. He can shoot it out the car. 
straight up out the sunroof, let it go, holler at your boy, game over. So I give him that. But it is it is a testimony to him and Luca. Hey, both of them was all-star game starters this year, right? So that's a testament. You know, give him some help. Maybe Atlanta could do something. Moving on to my forwards. My first forward is Jimmy Butler of the Miami Heat. Listen, the Miami Heat only made one significant move this offseason. One. That was to get Jimmy Butler down there. Yes, I know Whiteside got traded, but that wasn't significant. The only significant move they made was to get Jimmy Butler down to Miami. Jimmy Butler came there, turned that culture around. They because they was considered, you know, a losing franchise. It's been a while since they've been really in the, the winning winning column. He goes down there. He is still confidence in that team. He shows his leadership, and now that team is booming. And you're gonna see why when I get to my center position. Why I feel that way. Now, and my next forward is one Jason Tatum. Now, I would say this. Jason Tatum, I, I've been high on him. I think he will be in the running for most improved player this year. He made his first All-Star game this year. So I think when he made that All-Star game, that boosted up his confidence. we seen the game where Boston played the Lakers that Sunday showcase, and we see Jason Tatum out there talking that talk and walking that walk and said, come holler at your boy. I'm open all day and twice on Sunday. With that said, let's roll into my center position. One Bam Adebayo, also a first-time All-Star. And I'm going to tell you this, all right? I'm going to drop a little drippy drip, a little sauce on this. When I was talking about Jimmy Butler came down there and instilled confidence in the, in the Miami Heat, Adebayo was one of those guys that benefited from that confidence the most. This guy came out of nowhere. I think, honestly, my last two guys there, Jason Tatum and Bam Adebayo, they're probably going to wrestle for most approved player this year because they both took large jumps and they both was first time all-stars this year and they both deserve it. So listen, this is my five. All right. Chris Paul, Trey Young, Jimmy Butler, Jason Tatum, and Bam Adebayo. Over to you, Jay. Yeah, moving to the third team. This is where it gets a little bit more muddled. We got some more differences, but hey, that's okay. Uh, I got two Celtics on this third team, and I'm I'm giving uh I'm giving some respect to Kemba Walker. I think the uh I think I think one of the reasons we talk about Chris Paul is the intangibles. Uh, I th- I think the same argument can be made for Kemba Walker. I think the effect he's had on that Celtic team is the complete opposite of what we saw with a guy named Kyrie Irving. You may have heard of him, you may not have. Haven't heard from him too much this year, but hey, that's neither here nor there. But Kemba Walker's deserving to be on this team. He's had a he's had a really good year. Another All Star game starter. So I, I like what he's done this year, and I think he's well deserved to be in this range. I think third team is about right for him. Uh, to continue to reward the tradition of winning, uh, let, let's look at the Utah Jazz for just a quick moment, and let's, let's look at Donovan Mitchell, who's been for three years. He's been uh, he's been putting up great numbers, and he's been the he's been the clear best player on the Utah Jazz. Um, you know, averaging 24 points a game, that's good for 14th in the league. Uh, fairly efficient, you know, gives you gives you a fair amount of rebounds and assists. But he, he's had a great year, and I think it's I think this is about right for him. And then I I, I think you're right on it with these forwards. Uh, Jimmy Butler, th- this this is a guy that's 12th in player efficiency rating, so he's performing at a very very high level. Um, you know, 20.6 rebounds, about seven assists, just just does it all for this team. And then you factor in. Uh, the level of defense he plays. And this is another guy where you talk about intangibles. And I think the overall effect that he's had on that team is something that we look at. It's just remarkable. You know, it was just it was just a season ago that this was the third option on the Philadelphia 76ers. He goes to Miami 
and they're they're hot they're right there in the thick of it in the fourth seed in the 76ers for whatever reason they just look lost particularly on the road so a a great credit to Jimmy Butler and in retrospect I think you could make a great argument at least from you know what I've laid out for you in the first and second team I think you could make a good argument that uh, he could go I could elevate him to the second team above uh, Siakam but you know I, I I'm gonna stick with this and hey Jason Tatum this is a guy who and th- that game you mentioned again you write on the money uh, th- that was that was kind of a microcosm of what we've seen in the second half post the All Star break where his level he's elevated his level of play and again I always talk about the B to B plus guys they got four of them when when you get a guy like Jason Tatum who can elevate his game to this type of level. I mean, it puts your team in a whole different other conversation and actually gives you legitimate championship aspirations. It's a shame that the season got suspended because what he was doing was something inc- it was incredibly remarkable. And it would have been it would have been interesting to see if he could have sustained that into the playoffs. So it'll be interesting to see when this if, if and when the season gets back on the way, how that looks in the playoffs. But the Celtics are definitely, definitely worth watching when we get to that point. And in the center position, uh, Joel Embiid, you know, he's he's got to be on there. I I, I get it. There, there's some that's I talk about intangibles. This is a guy that we, we it doesn't appear that he has that down. <laughs> Durability remains a concern. There's just too much extracurricular when it comes to Joel Embiid. But from a production standpoint and when you consider the the center position as a whole, that there's really not a whole lot of elite guys. And then again, and with the evolution of the NBA, you know, we don't see a lot of teams playing the center at all. But Embiid, you know, giving you 23 points, 12 rebounds, and just clearly the best player on that team. And from a pure talent perspective, uh, perspective, I've said this on multiple occasions, I think he's a top five talent in this league. But it just remains a work in progress for him to put that all together. But he's still deserving of third team. So to recap it, Kimball Walker, Donovan Mitchell at the guards, Jimmy Butler, Jason Tatum at the forwards, and Joel Embiid is your third team center. Yeah, I get different just a little bit on the guards here. I do have Lillard as my one of my third my third team guards, and also have Bradley Beal. Give a little love to him. He's been really sweating it out with Washington and, and a team in a game where he could just easily mail it in. He's trying to get buckets every night, and he's willed in this victory. They probably shouldn't have won. Uh, my forwards, I, I agree with y'all with Tatum and Butler. No arguments here. Y'all y'all said need to be said about Jimmy Butler, and hey man, Jason Tatum is becoming a superstar right before our eyes. So big shout out to him and. Yeah, like you said, it's really disappointing that we may not be able to see him anymore this year, but let's hope we do. And then Embiid, uh, all a first-team talent that goes to second team for me with his off, off-court antics and whatnot. And then it goes to third team when you factor in the durability and the fact that he just has games where he just doesn't show up and doesn't score a single point and like nothing happened. They don't come out and put up 30 and 15 the next night like nothing happens. So uh, I want to see more consistency. And I want to see him cut the crap off the court and he'd be on the first team. So until then, well, he's on the third, but he's got to be on at least one of the list. Mm-hmm. All right, guys, let's go ahead and switch over to the NFL. The NFL and the Pro Football Hall of Fame announced the 52 players and two coaches that make up the 2010s All-Decade team. Tom Brady's among the eight players who were unanimous selections. There's also a few guys that made both the 2000s team and this team. List is chock full of pro bowlers, all pros, and champions of the past decade. So, Jay, are you sold on this list, or are there some snubs? You know, for the most part, I, th- I thought this was a pretty good list. I had to look long and hard to, you know, really find uh, some things that I didn't like. And I, I, came with, I came with three different 
you, I guess you can call them snubs. I don't, I don't think there was anything all that egregious uh, in this list. I think I would say 90, 90% of this is spot on. Then I guess the other 10%, you could, you know, argue and nitpick. And, but that's what we're here for. That's a, let me get to the nitpicking. I, I'm looking at that offensive line, and I look at a guy like Joe Staley, and no disrespect, but I look at Andrew Whitworth, a guy who's had a long and productive career. He's got two all-pro selections, and Joe Staley, he, he does not have an all-pro selection. So I, I would slide in Andrew Whitworth uh, at the offensive tackle position. And then at center, uh, Alex Mack, you know, same thing can be said for him that I said for Joe Staley. But Jason Kelsey, to the latter part of this decade, has been fantastic. He's got three consecutive all-pro positions, uh, all-pro selections. Uh, Alex Mack does not have one. So I would slide, I would slide Jason Kelsey in as another center and uh, remove Alex Mack. And then when I look at the the linebacker position, you know, one of the interesting thing is, and I know this, this could be something that we're looking at uh, Patrick Willis, you know, he was one of the first guys to, you know, go about the business of that early retirement. Uh, he only, he retired at about the age of 29, I believe. So he only played uh, five seasons in this decade. Now he was highly productive. He made four pro bowls. He was a three time, uh, all pro, but I, I was, I, I just, I would like to see a little bit more. And I'm looking at his teammate, Navarro Bowman. He's a guy who played eight years in this decade and he had, what is it? Let's go to the notes, get this right. Four all pro selections and three pro bowls. I don't know how you make more uh, all pros and pro bowls, but he found a way to do it. Those are the three things. Those are my three snubs. I got a bunch of other guys who you could, uh, could perhaps some honorable mentions and some guys you could argue about. But those are the three that stand out, and I don't think any of those are clear cut. I think, you know, if you want to leave Joe Staley and Alex Mack, I don't have I don't have a huge problem with that. I think those guys are deserving. They've had great careers. Uh, I will just highlight a couple more things. Uh, that quarterback position, I think Tom Brady's an absolute no brainer. But you know, it, it's just tough. You you'd love to have an extra quarterback uh, quarterback spot on here because, you know, Aaron Rodgers and Drew Brees. I mean, I mean, my lord. I mean, Drew Brees. The the all time leader in was it is it touchdowns and yards now I believe it is and he he can't find a spot on this team uh, I guess one of the things we're looking at is Aaron Rodgers he won his Super Bowl in 2010 and Drew Brees his Super Bowl victory was not in this decade Drew Brees also does not have a All Pro selection in this decade but he's made nine Pro Bowls so that that's just one of those things that's tough you'd love to see both of them on there but if you're gonna have two uh, only two spots. I guess it's one of those things that you got to do and you got to leave Drew Brees off, although he's got a he's got a great argument. I'll tell you that. And then we got seven, seven unanimous selections. And among those, think about this, uh, Aaron Donald. Six out of 10 years, his career started in 2014. He's only been in the league six years. He made this all decade team as a unanimous selection. Think about that. And then. Five out of those six years, he's been an All-Pro, and he's made the Pro Bowl every year. Uh, absolutely incredible stuff from Aaron Donald. Those are my initial thoughts. Take a drink. Oh, yeah. All right. So, as Jay, you know, eloquently put it, you know, he, he he gave me a good lead in. But listen, let me, Cody, you talked about the unanimous decisions. Jay briefly hit on them. I'd like to just give a shout-out to these guys because we, we need to understand this is a, a roster of 52 gentlemen. You said eight of them were unanimous uh, players. I think it's seven or eight, one of the two. Seven. Either way, seven. okay. Either way, 
listen, this is a very, very strategic award. Um, for the first one is Tom Brady at the quarterback position. He was unanimous. At the running back position, we had Adrian Peterson. He was voted in unanimous. At the guard, the, the offensive guard spot, we had Marshall Yonder. He was voted in unanimous. Then also in the, the offensive tackle spot, we had Joe Thomas. He was unanimous. And then let's roll over to the defense side of things, right? J.J. Watt, he was voted in unanimous. And then we had Aaron Donald, which Jay already mentioned. He was voted in unanimous. And then Von Miller, he was also voted unanimous. And then we had one specialist that was voted, which was Justin Tucker. Justin Tucker. That's right. He was yeah, voted in eight. unanimous. That's, that's your eighth guy. So those eight gentlemen was voted in unanimous. Kudos to them, you know. And I just want to make sure I give a shout out because I think that when you're talking about a roster of elite players like this, it is it's very hard to get everybody to vote. I mean, you could put out something right now and us three probably won't all vote on it. So when you sitting here with a bunch of media panel and all these other guys and everybody hands go up in the air and say, that dude is he legit, he should be on there. I think that's that's very um noticeable. And I just want to give a shout out on that. With that said, I have 10, I don't want to call them snubs. Let's just say 10 argument starters here. Um, however you look at it, it doesn't matter to me. Because at the end of the day, the NFL is going to roll out this product that they already rolled out. So they ain't changing anything. But I just want to throw it out there. Holla at your boy. So the first one I had was Drew Brees at the quarterback position. Jay already hit that up. I'm not mad that Aaron Rodgers got voted in. I'm not mad at all. It is what it is nitpick take it however you want to take it but the roster is the roster the second was aj green at wide receiver then i had terrell suggs edge rusher andy reed in the coach's position cameron Wright, edge rusher then i had demarcus ware edge rusher as you see i fell in love with those edge rushers then i had tj i t t y hilton at the wide receiver position Des Bryant at the wide receiver position. Jay already mentioned this name, Andrew Whitworth at the offensive tackle position. And then I rounded it out with Jason Witten as the tight end position. Now, I will repeat this one more time before I turn it over. I'm not saying that, hey, those guys deserve to be in over the other guys. That's not what I'm saying. I'm saying in this type of business, you make conversation. Those guys could make a conversation to see why they wasn't in the final 52 for the decade team. But if it's up to me, and it can stay the way it is. I don't per se got a problem with it. Jay didn't hit you with the numbers. He didn't hit you with the facts. So if you, you take that for what it's worth. But those are just 10 names that was outside of the 52 that could have been inside of the 52. So I just wanted to throw those out there. Over you, Cody. Yeah, let me, let me just hop back in and give the rest of my, I guess you can call them honorable mentions before we get to okay. Cody. And I... You, you laid out quite a few of mine. Uh, the linebacker, the the depth at linebacker in this decade, I think, is unbelievable. And I'll get to some of them, but uh, just some guys that may may or may not necessarily belong on this list, but just guys that, as I look back through this decade, were guys that really stood out mm -hmm. to me. Uh, Jamal Charles at the running back position for for years and years. You talk about yards per carry, and this guy was good for five or six yards every single carry. He was just excellent for the Kansas City Chiefs, particularly. At the beginning of this decade, uh, a guy that's really, really showed us something that, you know, you know, and it's crazy. This guy just got traded uh, for a box of cookies, but he, he's absolutely you can make a great argument for him. DeAndre Hopkins, 
could very well be on this list had it not been for some great depth at hey, this wide well, receiver hold on, position. Jay, what, what, what brand cookies was it? Because you know the brand of the cookie kind of mattered too. You said a box of cookies. We talking Oreos. We talking so, no off brand, off brand. Just just pick Store a brand? I don't, famous Amos perhaps. You know the co- <laughs> all the cookies. You know the cookies that we had on the mule. But but I I don't think Hopkins is on this team. But I do think he's honorable mention. But when I'm looking at Antonio Brown, Calvin Johnson, Julio Jones, and you know Larry Fitzgerald. You know, I, I like those guys. I think they I think they're deserving to be ahead of him. But if you had a next guy that you would throw on this list, I'd probably go Hopkins. But a, AJ Green, I mean, I, he, he's another guy you got to remember. And his his career is kind of par- paralleled Julio Jones. Just he's had some injuries uh, here recently. Another tackle that we've talked about recently, and I think last season when he didn't play that really hurt him i think if he plays last season i'm talking about trent williams i think he's a guy you could see that uh, that's on this list he's made seven pro bowls in nine years and if he plays last year had an opportunity to make it eight of ten travis frederick he's an honorable mention for me you know he's another guy that's retired early had the uh you know went through some things medically where that caused him to miss the 2018 season and then you know, some other linebackers that you, that you didn't hit on, but I'll hit on them. Clay Matthews, he's an honorable mention for me. I, I got love for Thomas Davis. You know, I think when you overcome three ACL surgeries and then wind up playing at an all-pro level and make three Pro Bowls alongside Luke Kigley, I think that's something that's absolutely commendable. So I just want to mention him. And then a couple guys from the Kansas City Chiefs, uh, Derek Johnson and Justin Houston, really productive careers. Uh, Justin Houston came very close to Michael Strahan's sack record one season. And then at the cornerback position, I think if I had to pick another corner, I'd go Aqib Tlaib. He's he's fallen off recently, but he was a great part of that 2015 Bronco defense that I mentioned. Had some had good stops at Tampa Bay and New England. And then at safety, Devin McCourty. He's just a name that comes to mind and how – just one of the stalwarts of that Patriots defense. He's a guy, he's a guy, you know, Bill Belichick ships off guys from time to time. Devin McCourty, he seems to have withstood the test of time. He's even got his brother in there, there, Jason McCourty. It's unbelievable what he's been able to do. And then don't, don't forget at the tight end position. Don't, I, I know I've been trashing him recently, but don't forget about Jimmy Graham and how great he was at the beginning of this decade. I, I don't think that's something we can short sell, uh, particularly at the tight end position and what we're dealing with now. Well, you play fantasy football. You can't find a decent tight end these days. But, mm. you know, it's neither here nor there. And the coach, I want to get to the coach real quick because I think Bill Belichick is absolutely – you can't argue that one. He's going to be one of your two coaches. I think that second coach, and you listed one of them that I'm thinking of, uh, Andy Reid, I think that second coach is – there's a lot of good candidates for that second one, and you're kind of splitting hairs. Pete Carroll's deserving, but – Andy Reid, John Harbaugh, Mike Tomlin, I think they're all, you can make all great arguments for each and every one of them. Yeah, this list is, uh, I think it's pretty good. This is definitely something that's not easy to do. We're talking about a lot of different people, a lot of different positions. Like you know, like Drink was saying, you've got people all over the place. Uh, some people would look at some of these guys, say like Calvin Johnson, say, yeah, well, he retired a couple years early. Or, you know, look at a guy that maybe didn't get started in 2012, 2013 and say, well, that doesn't qualify you. But, you know, up and down the list, no one really jumps out as not deserving, obviously. 
uh, some, of the, some of the ones that stood out, I was really glad to see Clayus Campbell made the list. Uh, that guy, you know, was awesome. He was here in Jacksonville and uh, more than I ever expected him to be both on and off the field. Uh, Devin Hester is a guy that a lot of, a lot of like younger listeners may not, you know, remember how dangerous he was, but there was a time when you yeah. did not kick to Devin Hester. You would just kick it backwards if you had to, to make sure he couldn't get it. Cause, uh, that you were absolutely rolling some weighted dies, uh, dice whenever he caught it. Um, but other than that, you know, there, there's as far as the snubs go, the only the only sort of player I would absolutely say, like, because it's hard about the snubs. You can say, that OK, there's other guys that deserve it, like, say, Drew Brees. You know, any one of us can make a case for Drew Brees, but it's hard to make a bona fide. Hey, Drew Brees is better than Aaron Rodgers. Right. And yep. Obviously, you're not, you're not taking Brady off this list. It is nine Super Bowls or whatever. So um, but you have to actually look at this list and go, OK, who can we take off to put on? I, I could pretty safely i think take off probably cameron jordan and replace him with terrell suggs i think that terrell suggs through his through the decade i mean you're talking about a guy who just kept it going for baltimore he won a super bowl with baltimore and then he oh by the way he just won one with kansas city now he was more of a hired mercenary at this point but the statistics that he has he just i feel like the statistics are close but then you add on what his accomplishments are with his defensive player of the year and his Pro Bowls and the two Super Bowl rings. I could probably put him in for, for probably for Cameron Jordan, but it's it's tough. You know, there, there's a couple guys you could probably do that with. But uh, overall, yeah, I think this list is solid. Uh, Dominican Sue is surprising because how fast he's become kind of a journeyman, but he's still he's still doing the work. And uh, maybe Xavier Rhodes at the cornerback position, possibly, but. You know, again, this is from a guy that didn't really get going 2012, 2013, and he's already kind of fell back off. Uh, so as far as the defensive backs go, as far as Akeem leave, I can't think of anyone else to put there. So, uh, yeah, overall, uh, good work. And not only a shout-out to the end of selections, but shout-out to the couple guys who made it in the 2000s team, guys like Tom Brady, Julius Peppers, and have also made it in 2010s team. That's um, that's a pretty amazing accomplishment. So that's, that's pretty cool to see there. All right, guys, time to get into our first official NFL draft preview. The draft's going to be held virtually this year, and it's just over two weeks away. So we're going to go around the NFL by division over the next few weeks and take a look at each team, see where they're drafting, who they might need, and figure out how they can nail their respective draft days. With that in mind, let's start in one of the more interesting divisions, which is the AFC East. Brady's out, the Dolphins have half the drafts worth of picks, and the Bills can't be slept on anymore. So, Drake, let's go ahead and start with the Dolphins. They're picking number five as well as 18 and 26 in the first round. Who should they be going after? All right. So, the three positions that I looked at the most when I when I think about the Dolphins is, one, let's be obvious, it's the quarterback position. It's the running back position. Listen, I know they just got uh, Jordan Howard on a free agent. I'm not, I'm not over-snubbing that, but you got him on a two-year deal, so that means you don't plan on him sticking around long. So you're probably going to draft a running back that take you into the future. And then the third one was the offensive line. I feel like before we get into this, this offensive line is going to come up for multiple teams. You just can't have enough offensive linemen. Like, you just need that. And um, so with that said, when I'm sticking to the quarterback position, the first one is obvious, Tua Tomvaloy out of Alabama. If, you know, that's going to be, I think, their first pick because make no mistake, unless they trade up, you ain't getting no Joe Burrow. Don't even worry about it. Unless you you ready to give up the farm for Joe Burrow, you ain't getting them. So I think it's either going to be Tool or they can go and elect to get Justin Herbert or Jordan Love if somehow someone else trades up over them to go get Tool. I think Tool is the wild the wild card in this draft. So don't be surprised if you see teams jump over Miami to go get Tool 
and then Jordan Love and Justin Herbert are the two options. When I stick the running backs, the two running backs that, that come in my mind is uh, one, J.K. Dobbins, the running back out of Ohio State. I think that the package that he brings could make him the first running back taken in this year's draft. We'll see. It always depends on the team. And the second one will be DeAndre Swift out of the University of Georgia. Look, these two guys, I don't think you can really go wrong if you go with either one. The only thing I would say is you have to look at both guys when it comes to a little bit of injury. They both have nagging ankle injuries that I've seen. However, I, it wasn't enough to really think they was out and down for the count. Listen, that's why I let the professionals do what they do. They would dig into that. They would see how that go. But those are the two names that jump out to me. And then when I go to the offensive line, because of where they're picking, um, I, I like the guy Josh Jones of Houston coming out because I do think the guys, it's four guys that kind of separated themselves from the rest of the offensive linemen. I don't perceive the Dolphins getting one of those four guys, but you never know. They got a lot of picks. They might make trades. I don't know. That's why we love the draft. And then the second guy would be Matt Hennessy of Temple coming out of Temple. I see those two guys as the highest volume of uh, Miami being able to go get them without making a trade. Now, if they make a trade and they trade up, of course they would get one of the guys. Worth, uh, Wills, uh, one, you know, those guys, uh, Benton, one of those guys that's in the top end of the draft. But if they stay where they're at in the draft as set right now, that is how I see those picks landing out. And that's what I got. Over to you, Jay. Yeah, not not a whole lot of different uh, differentiation from you with this. Um, I, I think the quarterback position is absolutely something that you got to get solidified. I think we like a lot of things we've done that they've done on the defensive side. Uh, getting they got two uh, prime time cornerbacks, get some depth at the pass rush spot. I, I like what they're doing over there. So now you really got to pay attention to this offense. Uh, I disagree a little bit at the running back position. I think Jordan Howard and you just plug in some other dude that you can find and that you let them handle the running back duties. Uh, I'd, I'd go get another wide receiver for Tua, who I think is the guy you have to draft. And to that point about if someone jumps them, if, if you're Miami, you can't play around with this. If you suspect someone's going to move up to the, to the Giants of the fourth spot, you trade up to that four spot so you can get to it. I think I think it's that serious and something you really need to get correct because I think when you talk about Tua and Joe Burrow, it's those two quarterbacks and then there's a significant drop off at the next guy. So I wouldn't play around with that. But assuming everything stays the way it is with five, eighteen, and twenty-six, I like Tua sticking uh, with that Peter Schrager uh, draft, uh, mock draft that he had. Uh, I like Henry Ruggs. I think he's a nice complement to what they have with Devontae Parker. And then this this is probably too high, uh, too high for the uh, for where they're going to be picking. But, you know, Andrew Thomas and uh, Mekai Beckton, big fella out of Louisville and Thomas, respectively, from Georgia. Uh, those are some offensive linemen uh, I'd be looking at. I think left tackle is something that you really want to get solidified. If you can get your quarterback and left tackle and then the cherry on top would be another weapon. If you can handle that, I think that I think that'd be great. and You'd be set up for success moving forward. Yeah, I would tend to agree. I think two is absolutely going to pick at five, no doubt about it. Um, I think they're going to – it just strikes me as like the team that he's going to go to. I think they're going to make sure they go get him, uh, come whatever it needs to be. And let's be real, Miami has more ammunition than anybody else. You try to trade up, well, Miami, they've got more picks than you got. I don't care who you are. They have more picks than you, and they have more valuable picks than you do. So they hold the key as far as when do they want to get him and how they want to get him. And I completely agree. I think I would just go offense if I was them. I would be looking at getting um, at 18. 
I would definitely want to see if one of the maybe the Alabama wide receivers are there. Maybe Justin Jefferson's still there. Get you a quality playmaking outside wide receiver. And then at 26, you can always come back and get if uh, you know Joshua Jones or another tackle is still there. Or if, hey, they're starting to they get to 18 or 19 and they go, hey, maybe this guy's still on the board. You've got a two, a two, and two threes to move back up and go get another guy in the first round if you want to. Yeah, 15 picks. You can keep them all in your roster. So, hey, you know, maybe you want to package up a couple, move up, and get your guys. So I would definitely be looking at that if I was there. Them, but you get that three-man combo, or hey, even Andre Swift, that's not a bad prize at 26. Let's go ahead and move over to the Jets. They've had eight picks, and they're picking number 11. So, Jay, you'll start us off here. Who do you got for them? I swear to you, if the Dolphins, uh, not the Dolphins, the Jets, st- the wide receiver position, please, please help this man, Sam Darnold. This, Robbie Anderson clearly wasn't a priority, and he's a guy that, he's a guy out there as a number one receiver, just overachieving his behind off and he's not even there anymore so I don't know who's going to play wide receiver but you need one that this is a deep wide receiver class um, and I think at the 11th pit you got to make it happen and you, I think it's you, you go after CD Lamb go after Jerry Judy get you one of those guys I think if you look at this draft those are probably the two wide receivers you probably flip a coin for which one you want to have but I think I think you got to get somebody for Sam Darnold uh, as we move forward into the second and third rounds, depending on how it shakes out, these guys may not fall that far. But I think I think it's reasonable that you could get perhaps one of these guys in the second round. I think you got to continue to buffer that offensive line. I know they've been working on it. I feel like they've been working on it for years. Well, keep working on it because it ain't finished yet. Uh, maybe a guy like Isaiah Wilson, another guy from that Georgia offensive line. He's a big fella. Maybe you put him at the right side. Not only can he help you – in the uh, pass blocking, but you got to think he's going to be, you know, a bulldozer in that run game. Maybe you get Le'Veon Bell going. I don't know. Maybe maybe make that a priority as well. And then uh, may- maybe get some pressure on the quarterback. I don't know. Maybe that's something we'd be interested in doing. Maybe you can get a guy like Raquan Davis in there uh, from Alabama. Uh, we got to remember they lost Leonard Williams last season. I know he wasn't getting a whole lot of sacks, but he is a guy you have to account for on that side. So I think protecting your quarterback, getting Sam Darnold a weapon, and getting after the opposing quarterback. And that's not all they need, but those are the top needs I got for the Jets. Okay, yeah, um, my need is going to go a little different. Um, need number one is offensive line. And I'm going to say this. The reason I feel that way is because it's more quality wide receivers than it is quality offensive linemen that's compared fair. to what's coming out the combine. Um, so I think where, where, where the Jets will probably lean towards looking first is offensive linemen, like I said. We're looking at J.J. Wills out of Alabama, most likely. Or if they if he's off the board by that time, you're also looking at Andrew Thomas out of Georgia. Right. Either one of those dudes, you can't miss. If you get one of those dudes, you got you a top, a top shelf uh, quality right there. So we ain't mad at you. And then receiver, I do agree. Give Sam like, who is he going to throw to? The ref? We Something. see what happened when you try to throw the ball to the ref. Just ask Josh Allen. <laughs> that, that don't work out well, right? Um, and when we when we talk about those receivers, look, here's the deal: you got jo- you got Justin Jefferson right now. His grades look like he's gonna slide to the back end, to the beginning of the second round. That's why I, I believe that you can go out and get you some, uh, some top quality product in the second round if need be. And then I'm looking at a guy like Chase Claypool coming out of Notre Dame, coming in that second round. Look. The, either one of these guys, I would rather Jordan Jefferson. He's the known commodity. He's the guy that played at a higher level. Um, Claypool is the guy that goes under the radar. But listen, either one of these dudes could come in, be plug and play, and give Sam Sam Donald somebody to throw to 
other than the trash can that he used at the quarterback drill. And then the third position I'm looking at is the cornerback position. It's been a, been a little while since they had a cornerback worth talking about. I think it's been since the Real Reavers was out there, um, yep. you know, calling the shots. All right. So when I look at the when I look at that position now, let me caveat. I got a, I got like a split here. If they go cornerback, I'm looking at a guy like uh, Noah Inbengabi. Um, I think is how you say his name. The cornerback out of Auburn. I'm sorry, he's of of Congo descent. Uh, so the name the last name is a little rough on me, but. I'm looking at him, and then, but let's say they say, no, listen, Le'Veon Bell don't act like he want to be here. We need to get somebody back there that, that want to be here. Le'Veon Bell still at the bowling alley. I'm looking at a guy like it was Elair out of LSU to come in and take that spot to give Sam Donner somebody that he's going to put the ball in his belly and that he's going to actually give a rip to run the ball and not be out here on jet skis and crap. So that that is how I'm looking at that. Like I said, um, Offensive line, receiver, cornerback, slash running back. That's what I'm thinking for the Jets. Yeah, I think at number 11, it really comes down to, like you said, Drink, I think you said where you, you talked about how if one of the quality tackles are on the board, that's what you have to go with. But we have to remember, of course, this is this wide receiver depth on this draft is so is so deep that if you had to come back early in the second round and get your guy then, it wouldn't be the end of the world. Uh, there's going to be quality players when you come back in the second round. So if an offensive tackle that you are in love with falls down, and there's like probably four or five you could really say could be the first one off the board. So it's very likely by 11 with – quarterbacks going on runs, defensive ends going on runs, that they could be there for the Jets. So I think if they're there, I would have to really think about taking them. But yeah, getting like a C.D. Lamb type player to come in, man, that would be, I don't even know, like the, you look at the Jets roster and the receivers are hilarious. They're just, oh they're absolutely, yeah. it is just the most sad group of people I think I've ever seen in my life. I mean, you know, Josh Doxson's your best wide receiver. That's not going to, that's not going to do it. Um, but yeah, I think definitely for the Jets, that's what you're looking at uh, is basically going to be that, that thing there but the, the bottom line with the Jets they've got to realize you got a lot of holes in the team still you can't fix everything in the draft keep keep your head above water keep getting the best player build your foundation and don't be reaching for players because they've done well in the first round with a couple of guys like Darnold like Jamal Adams but then some of their other rounds they've been kind of breaking on keeping the quality talent after the first few guys so just got to make sure you're keeping it level let's go on and move on to the Bills drink uh, they have seven picks but none in the first round so what do you think they're looking for in this draft and here's the deal. Like, this, this is crazy because they, they gave up their first-round pick for a wide receiver, so I'm not mad at them. We'll see how that pans out for them here in the near future. Um, if, you know, Bill Belichick has taught us one thing, hey, go with the known commodity instead of the unknown commodity. So they, they did give up that pick for the first-round uh, pick for um, Stephon Diggs. So going with that, that second-round pick, I'm thinking um, they're going to go for an edge rusher. Hey, as good as that defense has been, uh, they got some guys to replace. That's just the bottom line. And I'm looking at a guy like Khalil, uh, Khalil Kareem out of Notre Dame just because the location of the pick. Now, don't get me wrong. I'm not saying this guy's the best pass rusher they can get at the time. We got to see how that pans out. But if everything goes according to what I'm thinking, that would probably be, you know, one of the top guys that will be left on the board as far as pass rusher. Then I'm looking at running back. If, if the running backs get pushed back, you still got guys like, you know, you can get like J.K. Dobbins, um, DeAndre Swift, because I do believe this. As I look at most mock drafts, running it was it just wasn't men and running backs. Outside of the Dolphins, I did not see where like a lot of running backs coming off the board. 
So you very well could get a top quality running back in the second or third round. It just depends on how everything pan out. Um, it's not like a overly deep class of running backs, but it's just we in the NFL right now that don't really care about spending as much equity on running backs as they once did. And then my third, my third position is gonna also gonna be cornerback. And I wanted to say this: the Bills is one of the few teams that I don't worry about offensive line. Their offensive line has been legitimate. It's been a top three offensive line. So they're one of the few teams you're going to run across where you're like, oh, no offensive lineman? Oh, all right, then. They just keep it going. Um, I'm looking at cornerback. I'm looking at somebody to play on the other side of Tredavious White. Yes, I do know that they went and got Josh Norman, but let's be real. I think Josh Norman just a bridge at best. I don't think he's there to be your shutdown future on the other side of Tredavious White. So um, as I looked at, looked at the Projective picks. I've seen a guy um, by the name of Michael Ejimude out of Iowa. One of the, another one of those Iowa top picks from Kirk Ferentz over there that <laughs> never go play in a significant bowl, don't play in the Big Ten. Neither here nor there. I'm getting off the rails. But the, the three, those are the three positions that I see that the Bills need the most. Edge rusher, running back, and cornerback. Wow, that's impressive. We did not collaborate on this at all, and we came to the same conclusion here. I'm going to say this up front. I, I, I perused that Bills roster, and you know I'm, I'm not sold on Buffalo, but th- they really have a nice roster. I looked at it throughout. They don't really have any significant holes, especially when you nope, consider nope. that the, uh, the addition of Stefan Diggs, so you actually have guys that kind of fit their roles you know, as a number one, number two, number three receiver. They got them all. Um, the offensive line, I don't know if it's that good, but it, it's pretty solid. I'd say it's a top 10. I think I really like what they got going on there. Uh, but hey, uh, back, back to the question at hand, I miscalculated. I, I forgot that they don't have first round picks. I'm looking at edge rusher. I had him at, uh, AJ Epinesa, another guy from Iowa. Well, you know, uh, so yeah. that's probably out the, off the, off the board at this, uh, at this stage, but maybe you get another guy in the later rounds as you was talking about. And in that second round on the uh, subject of cornerback, I know he's coming off an injury, but uh, the kid out of Virginia named Bryce Hall, uh, this is a guy who can seriously play. And if you could get him in that second round range, you're going to have the outside just taken care of for years and years to come. So that's one of the things I'm thinking about. And then running back. I like this guy, uh, Devin Singletary. I really, really do. But you don't have Frank Gore anymore. So, and you know, in this day and age in the NFL, you need multiple running backs typically. And Singletary is a guy. He's a bit undersized. So you might have some concerns about him wearing down. So I, I'm, di- I'm digging a little bit further back. I think he's probably projected a fourth round. I'm looking at A.J. Dillon from Boston College, you know, to balance out Devin Singletary. Big bruising back, uh, durable, reliable. I think that's one of the guys you can maybe snag in the later rounds and uh, solidify the running back position. Yeah, I actually like that pick a lot. I was thinking about, you know, running back is, is what I think they're going to go with. I think they've lost enough guys there. And y'all are absolutely right. They built, they did a really good job in free agency. They addressed their biggest needs there. And they are one of one of the teams that can really walk into draft day and just go, man, we got no plan. Let's just see who's there. We'll just look at it and go from there. But um, and that, that's a luxury. Not many teams get to do that. And they're one of them this year. But, yeah, A.J. Dillon, I actually like that a whole lot. I, I was a guy – I was thinking more like Cam Akers uh, is another guy I thought that would definitely be there that, that has a little bit of versatility. He can do a little bit yeah. of you – know, he can kind of run between the tackles, but he also has a little bit of outside playmaking. I was kind of thinking of a guy that could kind of pair up well with Josh Allen's mobility. He can kind of do a lot of fun things on offense. But, absolutely, A.J. Dillon, if I, if I was them and he's on the board, it might be a reach in the second round. But uh, maybe, yeah. 
maybe they can trade back. Maybe they can take a second round pick, make some more third round picks out of it and kind of bolster their picks, which is only seven. Uh, yeah, ba- yeah like based based on the projections I saw, and this is why A.J. Dillon came to mind, uh, Devin Singletary, again, he's a guy that's on, he's on the smaller side for a running back. So rather than get another guy in the similar stature, I, I like running backs that complement each other. I want a guy that can get it done inside and not the Singletary can't, but he's a guy that I'd like to see more in, in open space. And with that in mind, you got to think about it, Buffalo cold weather snowy conditions i mean aj dillon up there in boston college so that's why he's one of the he, that's why he came to mind yeah. nice. well, let's I roll agree. right along last one in the afc east is going to be the new england patriots jay they have 12 picks they have the 23rd pick and then a bunch of later on picks in the sixth and seventh so what do you have uh we think bill bill's looking at there yeah yeah the, 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 they need a quarterback uh let, let's not play around with this <laughs> i don't know i don't i really don't know if bill's gonna address this i really no, don't where, but, where uh, Brady? Brady left? What? Yeah, uh, yeah, he went. Yeah, he went to the retirement home in uh, Tampa Bay. Well, he go, he gonna play for a couple of years and then go to one of them homes. But yeah, hey, listen, uh, I, I don't know, I don't know about this Jared Stidham stuff. I really, really don't. Uh, but we don't know what Bill's gonna do. But to answer the question, quarterback is clearly the biggest need. Whether they address it or not, I'm not sure. But I think. I don't see him. I don't see him doing it in the first round, but I think it's one of them things where maybe Bill thinks he can, he can steal one in the later rounds. It might not be the second. I don't know if guys like Jacob Beeson and Jake Fromm will fall that far, but I'm just thinking of guys that, you know, guys that the the Patriot way and Belichick. You got to think about all these things, you know. Uh, I, I think I still I still like to see Cam Newton give it a try up there, but I, again, I don't see it happen. It's a long shot. Maybe you t- maybe you change philosophy. Maybe you get a guy like Jalen Hurts in there. But I, quarterback's an issue. I just don't see. I just don't know. Yeah, drink, I got drink hyped off that. That'd be that. Look, that'd be fun. But uh, what else they need? I think I, they've lost quite a bit on that defensive line, and the defensive line wasn't that strong to begin with last year. So I'm looking at a guy um, like maybe Ross Blacklock from uh, TCU. I'm just thinking of guys that I'm. You know. Maybe we're not thinking about uh, up front, you know, Belichick, he catches sleeping, you know, guys you ain't thinking about. He just make him into the greatest player ever. And then I, I look at the linebacker position. You lost Kyle Van Noy and you lost Jamie Collins. I think you got to rectify that. I think you really need to rebuild that linebacker core. That that may be where you go in the first round. You need a playmaking guy, maybe a Kenneth Murray from Oklahoma, maybe a Patrick Queen of LSU who really showed us some things in that national championship game. But quarterback, obviously, but I think Bill's going to get in there and really solidify that front seven of that defense. Yeah, um, my, my, my picks are pretty similar to uh, what Jay said. Listen, quarterback, quarterback, quarterback. No, I'm just playing. But quarterback is essential. Here's the deal. We know Bill ain't the most savvy when it comes to picking these quarterbacks. He got Tom Brady, and he just completely whipped on the rest of them. I mean – Garoppolo, you could probably say, wasn't a wolf. We don't know. He didn't play uh, long enough in New England to know if he's really a wolf. And he seems to be pretty good with San Francisco, but that's Mike Shanahan. That's not Bill Belichick. So we, we have to keep that in mind. Here's the deal. I'm going to assume with these picks that these are first round. This is what he would do in the first round or, or whatever the case might have you. At quarterback, I'm looking at Justin Love and uh, Justin, sorry, Jordan Love and Justin Herbert. I think those will be the guys that's left on the board by the time they pick. We'll see. Neither here nor there. And then the defensive end, I'm looking at A.J. Espinosa coming out of Iowa. And I'm also looking at 
if they don't have him on the board, Marlon Davidson coming out of Auburn. Now, Marlon Davidson, don't get me wrong, he is not a edge rusher. He's a defensive tackle by nature. But we do know when when these some of these guys come out of college, they do learn new techniques. They do get moved depending on their strength and weaknesses. And then that wide receiver. Let's be real here. I was getting better separation than the wide receivers for New England last year. They couldn't separate from anything last year. So when I look at the wide receivers, I'm looking at Jordan Jefferson. I do the reason I have him so late. I do see him sliding in the draft. I really do. Just simply because some some reports came out, he's not looking as spry as once he was looked at. But I do think he's still a good wide receiver. He's just going to take a bit of a dip. And then I'm looking at uh, Jalen Rager coming out of TCU. He's he's one of those undercover guys. They talked they talked him up real good before the college football season started. Once the season went through, TCU wasn't good. They wasn't as successful, and he kind of slipped because of that. But this guy has tremendous upside, tremendous talent. And I do think because of that slide of the season, he will be relatively available when they go to pick a wide receiver. So, yeah, I'm going quarterback, defensive end, wide receiver for the Patriots. Yeah, I don't think uh, – I, I really think that they wouldn't want to reach for a quarterback at 23, but I just cannot imagine that they are going to go into the – they're not going to pick a quality quarterback to start the season with. I, I think that Jake Fromm actually makes some sense, but, again, it's a reach at 23. Uh, but yeah, I would – yeah. Yeah, to that strikes point – Strikes me as a Patriots quarterback, though, right? Right, yep. Yeah. Another guy, like you said, Jay, Jalen Hurts. Another guy that's senior, got a great head on his shoulders. He's been doing this a long time. I always think of these like longtime college players that the Patriots want to pick up that they don't have to get up to speed so fast. Uh, if they go outside of the quarterback position, I think AJ Epinesa makes a lot of sense. I think that um, you know, they, there's a relationship there with Bill and Iowa's head coach. And then you also look at guy like I think Denzel Mims could be a guy. He's going to be there in the later end of the first round. He's a big body, six foot three, two hundred seven pounds. He gives them something they don't really have at wide receiver, and he's a senior. He's played a lot of games. He's got a lot of experience in the college ranks. So if they're looking to rebuild that wide receiving core, which they tried to do and it never worked out, uh, they could go there. And then, like you just said, Jay, your front seven always needs a little bit of help, and A.J. would fit that role very well. All right, guys, we'll keep it in the east. We'll move over to the NFC side of the house for our next draft preview. The NFC East is a bit of a stinker last year and sees the Giants and Redskins drafting in the top five, while the Eagles and Cowboys are sort of in the middle of the pack at 21st and 17th, respectively. The Giants need everything. The Eagles need anyone who can catch. The Cowboys need cheap help. Now the Redskins are going to be happy with Chase Young. Let's go ahead and start with that, Jay. Washington with the second overall pick. Who you got? Yeah, the, the problem with the Redskins here is uh, they're going to take Chase Young with that second overall pick, you would think. Uh, but that's not one of their biggest needs. But, you know, best player available. Uh, Chase Young seems to be one of those, dare I say, transcendent talents. So you got to go with him. But I'm looking at wide receiver, uh, tight end, and offensive tackle, particularly that left side. Uh, I just think you got to do everything you can uh, to find out about Dwayne Haskins. And you got to give him a a bit more support. Uh, than what he had last season. Uh, you know uh, Trent Williams has no intentions of suiting up for y'all anymore. So you're going to have to get that solidified at the left tackle. Uh, I didn't dig deep, I didn't dig way deep into those later rounds to see what they're going to do about it because, as you know, once you pick uh, Chase Young, you're not going to be on the board again until the 66th pick. 
And I don't know what kind of quality you're going to wind up getting uh, at that draft spot. So you may have to hold that L this year at that spot, but we'll see. But uh, a lot of teams need tight ends. I think so. But um, the Redskins, uh, they've had a, a guy by the name of Jordan Reed for several years now. And the, the, this guy, just, he, we just can't, it, it just ain't happening uh, with the concussions and such. So I look at a guy like maybe from Notre Dame, oh, Cole Komet. Yeah. I'm looking at Cole Komet. Maybe he's a guy you can pluck out of Notre Dame and you uh, you put him in day one and see what he can do for you. Uh, I thought he was a tremendous player at Notre Dame. And it's a it's a weak tight end crop, and he's actually the first one projected at what I was looking at. So maybe you can get him. And then uh, I, I think, again, wide receiver. I, th- I don't think there's, n- there's nothing special at wide receiver. I think Terry McLaurin uh, from Ohio State last season, he was a bit of a revelation. Uh, I don't think they expected what they got from him. Uh, maybe you go to that well again. Maybe you get a guy like uh, K.J. Hill. You bring him in there, and they, they just call him uh, uh, D.C. Ohio. You got Haskins, Chase Young, McLaurin, and K.J. Hill. Just bring in all the Buckeyes, and surely that will uh, deliver you the goods. Uh, so that's where I'm at. The, the Redskins, get this offense moving. You get Chase Young on defense. I think their defense is up and coming. I think they'll be they'll be pretty sturdy. But uh, you got you got to get some help for your young quarterback. Yeah, yeah, I'm I'm with Jay on that. Um, given that they're most likely gonna give you know pick Chase Young in the first round, we could go ahead and sign seal and deliver that and put a little stamp on it and go notarize it. Um, so I'm gonna fast forward over here to the offensive tackle. I think by the time they get around to offensive tackle, being that they that they had a 66 pick, I'm looking at a guy like Austin Jackson out of USC. Um. I think he'll be one of the guys. Remember earlier we was talking about how we have a, a like four guys in the upper tier, and then it's a bit of a yep. drop off. This is one of the guys that's in that drop off category. You, but you never know; he might turn out to be the best offensive tackle of the draft. Who 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 knows? But he's one of the guys right now that's considered a drop off. Wide receiver, you name it. I forgot that dude even played on the team. I'm gonna be dead serious with you. That <laughs> offensive court just ain't about nothing. I'm pretty yep. confident that if you rolled out Alabama offensive core and the Washington Redskins, Alabama about to take oh. some money. That's, that's all it is. To wide it. receivers, no doubt. No doubt. So, hey, I'm looking at a wide receiver out of a small, small college, Liberty, by the name of Antonio Gundy Golden. Listen, li- yeah, hey, listen. Okay, these okay. Small, these small colleges, they, they do come out, they, they, they produce you know, we barely watch them. This is a team that might play on the ESPN Plus app. But listen, at the end of the day, they do produce some. We take it right now. Talent. We watching that right now. <laughs> on. No, nope. we all would. We'd be like, oh, no. yeah, sure. Hey, no ESPN, argument. Yeah. Hey, I watch him. Hugh Freeze in a, in a little medical bed up there in the booth. I watch it all. You know what I mean? No problem here. And then um, my third position for them was cornerback. I thought they was lacking in the cornerback position. We just, we did talk about um, Josh Norman leaving. Uh, he's going to go Quinn Dunbar leaving as well. So you need a cornerback. I'm looking at a cat, Troy Pride Jr., coming out of Notre Dame. I think what, just because of where they're, where these picks will be located, that's where I'm getting these names from, who looks to be available during that time. Now, they might go in a different order than we're talking and they get somebody better. But right now, as it stands, I'm looking at offense, tackle, wide receiver, and cornerback. Those are my three guys. 
Yeah, just just to cut in real quick, that that Liberty pick's interesting because that's about that's three hours from D.C. So if anyone should have the inside track to that guy, you would think it would be Washington. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Yeah, I mean, the only question here is, are they willing to come off of Chase Young for more picks? I mean, the only thing I would reasonably see is if you say, hey, OK, hey, guys, we really need a left tackle or we need someone to you know, help out on the offensive line overall. There's a lot of good prospects. Oh, and by the way, I don't I don't know. The receiving core to me looks pretty bad. I, I would want to get one. So if I if I know I can move out of the second spot and I'm giving up a prospect that most people think, you know, most people say Jay Stone's the best player in the draft by, by a considerable margin. And he plays the second most important position besides quarterback. You could get some serious draft capital in return. So if you if you say, hey, all three of these positions, two or three positions are real decent needs, maybe they would. But it is so hard to look at Chase Young and go, nah, I want some other guys instead. Like, it's just I don't know. If they do it, but that's what Washington has to ask themselves, you know, are, are you willing to come off, you know, because you know someone's going to want him instead. But I think they're going to stay I, pat and take him. But I, I think was, I was just going to say, I think the Redskins should talk to the Dolphins. Just start, just like being their yeah. just Come on, man. You come up here and get to it. You know what I mean? And I, I don't know. I don't know how many teams will take that. But the Dolphins, like you said, is one of the few teams that can afford to take that jump and won't get hurt by it. I think, yeah, I think if you're Washington – I think you stay the course right now with Chase Young, but I think you got to be listening and got to be standing by the phone waiting to hear offers because as the more we look at this, they got a lot of holes. They got a lot of holes on this team, and I, I just think it's imperative that if you don't do something to buffer this offense, you're wasting Dwayne Haskins because you got to give him a little more help to really give him a fair shot. Exactly. It's hard to evaluate him when you just don't have a lot around him. So it's that'll be that'll be one of the most interesting things of the draft is, you know, after Burrow goes one, more than likely do the Redskins take Jung at two. So let's go ahead and move on. We've uh, probably spent more time in Washington than we ever should. Let's go on to the uh, Giants. No doubt. He's picking number four, Drink. This one's for you. Fourth overall pick and ten picks overall. Where are the New York Giants looking at in this draft? Um, uh, I'm looking at the Giants here with that first pick at set. Uh, sorry, that first pick at four. And I'm thinking, look, we've been saying his name all day, and I think this way he should rightfully end up. Oh, uh, Tristan Wirth out of Iowa. I think this is the spot where he would end up, at pro probably one of these New York teams, either them or the Jets. I I'm looking at one of those teams he'll end up with. If not, look, linebacker is a spot that they could use some help at. That's where the young guy, Kenneth Murray from Oklahoma, could come in at if they decide they want to go that route. And then my third position is, Edge rusher. Um, and when I look at the edge rusher, I, I said this name one time before, and I think this name will come back around. Khalil Kareem, also uh, out of Notre Dame. Listen, I don't know. We don't know with the Giants. I'm a, I'm a little thrown off with the Giants because last year we thought we had them figured out, and then here come Daniel Jones, come two-stepping through the door. So with the you get them and keeps us on our toes. So I'm going to assume that this, he's going to do the right thing for the right reasons at the right time this year. But if he don't, those are my three positions, offensive tackle, linebacker, and edge rusher. Yeah, I'm with you on uh, offensive lineman and edge rusher. I think up front, there's still a lot to be desired on this football team. Uh, I have Tristan Wirfs written down. Also got Jedrick Wills. Uh, I think, you know, if you get either one of those guys, I think you'll be satisfied. Uh, I also like safety. Uh, I'm looking at perhaps a guy like Terrell Lewis and uh, maybe Grant Delpit. Maybe you can get one of those guys early second round if you're fortunate. You said for safety? Yeah. 
Terrell, oh, Terrell Lewis is a corner, isn't he? No, no, he's a he's a linebacker. He's an edge rusher. Oh, that's that's why that's right. That's why I had him both. So that was my edge rusher, and Grant Delpit was my safety. So yeah. I don't know. You probably can't get all of those, but perhaps maybe you can get uh one of those offensive linemen, and then maybe Grant Delpit or Terrell Lewis, which is second round pick. Yeah, I just I think the Giants are going to have to go with Isaiah Simmons here. Uh, I know it's kind of a lame pick. It's what McShay and uh, Kuyper both have, as long as a couple of guys on NFL.com. But I think Isaiah Simmons is just too elite of a talent led out of the top five. And I think you're going to see Young go at two. Uh, you're going to see uh, Jeff Odeka go to three at the, the Detroit Lions. And then the Giants will be looking at it and go, well, we can play it safe. We can get a tackle. But my God, like your defense sucks. And Isaiah Simmons is the single best thing you can do to make that defense better right now, today. No questions asked. Day one guy, plug in, and he can do it. You want, you want safety? There you go. You want an edge rusher? There you go. You want a linebacker? There you go. It doesn't matter. He can do, he can do whatever, whatever you want him to do. So, yeah, I mean, a tackle is very possible. Uh, I think you do always want to get more help for your young quarterback. But I think if the Giants see Isaiah Simmons there at four, I think they would be crazy to not pull the trigger and go ahead and pick him up. About the uh, Cowboys, Jay, they have seven picks. They're picking 17th. Who do you think they're going after? Yeah, they got uh, – I, I don't think – they're another one of these teams. I don't see any really glaring holes that they have, but they do. Ha- they did have some key departures uh, in this offseason. They had Travis Frederick. He retired, so you got, a, you got a fairly big hole at center. I think it's important to uh, replace what you lost in Robert Quinn, who left for a big deal with the Bears. Uh, maybe a guy like Josh Uche, maybe you look at him. Uh, I, I think you got to give some little bit of help uh, opposite to Marcus Lawrence. And then at cornerback, I know he got beat up in the uh, national championship game, but uh, you don't have Byron Jones any longer. Uh, maybe you look at A.J. Terrell in that uh, mid-first round range. Um, but other than that, I think the Cowboys are one of those teams that outside of those uh, needs, they're pretty solid, uh, at least from a personnel standpoint. Uh, but as usual, we'll see how it uh, translates to executing and uh, winning games. Yeah, with with the Cowboys, it's kind of funny because we know how Jerry Jones is. So Jerry Jones like to go out here, try to get the most bang for his buck. You know, instead of going to Walmart, he going to the dollar store, stuff like that. You know, he, he want to sit around here. He hoping somebody get a DUI or a drug bust right before the draft so he can sit there and <laughs> no. get them for, no. you know, pennies on a dollar. Um, But as I look at this, the first position that, that gives me caution is safety, all right? They lost Jeff he, him, his bad shoulders. Um, and you have two safeties that have separated themselves. And I think it's like one of those things, you see a shiny tour and you want to get it. You got Grant Deppick that's going to be out there, and then you got Xavier McKinnon. It's a toss-up. Uh, Grant Deppick out of LSU, Xavier McKinnon out of Alabama. It's a toss-up. Neither one of them is one of those things where if you get either one of them, it's going to be a great addition to your team. You really can't miss if you get with either one of the guys. And then my next position, I'm going to go to cornerback. You lost Byron Jones. You don't quite know how the other guy is going to handle. So depending on how they strategize this, you'll, you'll have a guy by uh, Jeff Glantley coming out of TCU. One, another one. These TCU guys started off the year pretty high. I'm, I'm sorry, but they, they kind of just <laughs> fought on their way down by the time we got to this point. So a lot of these guys then like fell out of the memory of the nation. But you got Jeff Glennon out of TCU or the the guy I mentioned earlier coming out of Auburn, um, Noah Imbagahi. You you got him out there. You still probably have him on the board for a cornerback. And then edge rusher slash defensive lineman. One guy I was looking at is Devon Hamilton 
coming out of Ohio State. One thing I said about Ohio State, hey, they give you a lot of bang for your buck. I can't be mad at them. These guys do, for some reason, transition to the NFL quite well. I would give them credit. So he's he's one of those guys that was on that vaunted Ohio State defensive uh, line that didn't get as much credit because he played on the inside instead of the outside. But I think he would be a good pickup to replace some of the guys that the Cowboys lost across their defensive line. Yeah, as far as these guys go, I think y'all are absolutely right in the assessment that they're a team that doesn't need to jump for anybody. It was pretty much whoever they want to see fall to them. I think it's going to be someone on defense um, besides the errant retirement here and there. I mean, you're paying, you're going to be paying Dak, Zeke, and Cooper a small Island Nations GDP. So, like, you're going to have to go, you know, that's going to have to get you by, I hope. Um, that's who you, that's who you're riding with. So, Hey, you know, that's who you got. So I think on the defensive side of the ball, I would agree that either corner or edge rusher is probably your biggest thing. I think CJ Henderson's a guy that fits in really nice with Dallas, nice cover corner does most things really well. He's not the biggest tackler in the world, but I'm not sure Brian Jones was either. So you're kind of getting what you had a little bit in him and you can have another guy that could be a really good player. I watched him play a good bit at Florida. He's, he's real solid. I like him a lot. And then uh, Calavian Chasen from LSU, if they do go with the edge position, he's a guy that fits in that defense nice and can uh, kind of give you someone opposite of Demarcus Lawrence who can make a lot of noise. And, you know, when you're talking about defensive ends and edge rushers, having two to pair together is always a lot nicer than just having the one. Uh, it makes a lot harder for him to be uh, plugged up. So uh, let's go ahead and finish up with the Eagles drink. They've had eight picks and they're picking 21st in the first round. So who are you looking at for them? Okay, so it was a toss-up between cornerback and wide receiver as far as the biggest need. I do know this offseason they did go out and get some cornerback help. I don't know how confident they're going to feel with that, with that help. But so with that said, I'm going to go with wide receiver first. And I think the wide receiver that they're going to be looking towards is a guy like Justin Jefferson, once again, a big-body guy. What I've learned about Carson Wentz, the reason I say this name specifically is because Carson Wentz, like bigger body receivers. You seen what he did with Alshon Jeffrey when he when Alshon Jeffrey first came over to the Eagles. He liked his wide receivers where they could stand tall and reach in the back of the end zone. That is one of Carson Wentz's better thrown balls. If you actually pay attention to way he, when he's playing, because he's a bit of a gunslinger, he likes to make it to where it's a window in the back and his receiver got the best chance over the DB. He's not you know, real privy on the put it on the money in between two defenders type of guy, but he liked bigger receivers. Then I go I go to cornerback, and around that time, I'm looking at a guy like Harrison Hand out of Temple. All right, I think that that could be an underrated steal of the draft. He is a guy that pe a lot of people are not talking about because he played at Temple, but he was a guy that was, you know, in the high echelons of cornerbacks at one time, and he kind of fell off the map. And then I'm looking at linebacker. I'm looking at a guy by the name of Logan Wilson out of, yeah, you guessed it, Wyoming. Um, the <laughs> old frigid NFL talent rich Wyoming. Yeah, I'm looking at that linebacker. Um, I think he could come and make some money. And we, we talk about the weather. And here's why I like that is the Eagles play in a cold division. Wyoming is, is considered a cold state. So you get a guy that won't be frazzled, razzle-dazzled by the weather. He could come on in, take some hits give some hits. And so when I look at it, that's how I got my, my, my board up for the Eagles wide receiver, cornerback linebacker. Yeah. Um, I'm with you at uh, wide receiver. Um, it, it, it was just criminal. Uh, what we had to uh, watch Carson Wentz uh, throw the ball to, I mean, it's something 
we, we had George's family members out there. Somebody named Greg Ward out there. I mean, it was just absolutely <laughs> unbelievable. But, uh, hey, I, I'm with you. I, I had I got Justin Jefferson on this list. Also got maybe a guy like T. Higgins. Uh, I think you yeah, need one of those body, bigger yeah. body uh, bigger body guys. That uh, So I'm with you on that point. I got, I got left tackle as a need as well. Uh, Jason Peters, long-time stalwart out there. You know, he's getting up in age. And uh, those guys mutually agreed to part ways. So uh, you brought, I think you brought up Josh Jones earlier. Uh, obviously, I don't think they'll be able to get both of those guys because they're both projected, you know, mid to late first round guys, I believe. And then, uh, yeah, I, I had this pegged wrong, so I'm gonna, I'm gonna shift fire because Jalen Mills, and I just remember this, he's moving from cornerback to safety. So you would think with Mills and McLeod back there, they'd be set at safety which means cornerback is still a need, even though you have you brought in Darius Slay, you got Nickel Roby Coleman, he's going to be your nickel. So uh, with that in mind, you do need another cornerback. And I'm looking, maybe you can snag a guy like uh, Jalen Johnson uh, from Utah. That we, we heard about Utah's defense. They was so yeah. churched up throughout yeah. the season. Some of it well-deserved, uh, some of it not. But, uh, you know, they, they got some guys out there. They were very impressive uh, until the Pac-12 title game. So uh, we, we got to put some respect on the name at some point. And, uh but yeah, uh, wide receiver, uh, get your le- get that left tackle position straightened out, and then uh, yeah, keep buffering that secondary. You, you're gonna need it. Yeah, I agree that wide receiver is probably the most pressing concern. Uh, T. Higgins is a guy I like a lot, big frame, like you were saying. Drink, get a guy like you know Jeffrey sort of sized. I think Higgins is about six foot four. Definitely, guy can just go up and get it. We talked about it before. You know, you got a guy like Trevor Lawrence. Sometimes he just puts it up. And they just go get the ball, you know. So, but a guy I really like if they don't go receiver in the first round is Kenneth Murray. I think Kenneth Murray is going to be one of those gems of the draft that we look back and go, yeah, like this guy. I mean, I don't know. I watched a couple games in Oklahoma. I watched that dude was everywhere. And he's got the nice hybrid, you know, he's somewhere between an end and a a linebacker. I think he'd fit in really well with that Philly defense. So if they go with him at 21, you know, you come back in the second round, say like Chase Claypool, maybe from Notre Dame, you know, another big guy you're looking at, you know, that would probably be there in the second round uh, or another guy like him again the receiver depth is really good so if you got to come back and get one in the second round it's not the end of the world so if I'm the Eagles and I get there and Kenneth Murray's on the board I might just want to grab him up all right fellas I've finished off with some rapid reaction a lot of topics in a little bit of time let's go drink oh yeah let's roll baby Major League Baseball is exploring the option of starting the season in May with all 30 teams playing in the Phoenix area. What do you think of this idea? I think it's definitely something they should uh, continue to explore, and I think it's it's something that could work. You get all the players down there, you keep them confined, uh, you keep them, uh, you let them play baseball, and I think you do have to. There's got to be some sort of testing procedure and make sure everybody is good, but. I definitely think if you uh, dot your I's, cross your T's, I think this is definitely something that could possibly work, and uh, we need it. Uh, NBA Commissioner Adam Silver says the league will not have a decision on if and when the season will resume until at least May 1st. Your reaction? The more I hear, the more I think that I think the season over. The more I, t- I hear Adam Silver, I hear the owners, people taking pay cuts, more people taking pay cuts. It's- I, th- I think the NBA season just might be over. I'm sorry. I hate to be pessimistic rather than optimistic, but at this point, they ain't really giving me nothing to work with here, so I think we might be close to it being over. Free agent quarterback Jameis Winston said, it is, it, it is an honor that it took the best quarterback of all time to replace me. Your thoughts? This this is terrible. Come on, come on, Jameis. The, the only, they got Brady because – 
you know, that's the best they could get. They would have been more than happy to take Teddy Bridgewater if they couldn't have got Tom Brady. Stop it, man. Caesar Sportsbooks has Clemson as the early favorites to win the next college football playoff. Does that surprise you? No, I don't. I, I thought four teams would go in as the favorite. You got Clemson, Alabama, Ohio State, and probably Georgia. If you look at all four of those teams, Clemson is the only team that's going to bring back their starting quarterback and starting running back, offensive line pieces, and they're going to bring back that considerably that number one receiver. So it, it don't really surprise me. That's why we play the games and we'll figure it out on the field. No big deal. Duke freshman guard Cassius Stanley has declared for the NBA draft. Good choice? Uh, I don't know about this one. Maybe you should uh, pull a Trey Jones and come back for your sophomore year. He's on, He's uh, ESPN rates him as the 50th, top, uh, 50th best prospect, which is, you know, getting to the back end of the second round. So maybe you want to come on back, but well, I, I don't know. In an interview on the Ellen DeGeneres show, Saints quarterback Drew Brees said American people need sports right now. You agree, right? Drew Brees, you got them right. We need sports, baby. Yeah, he right. Absolutely. <laughs> I agree with him 110%. Shouts out Drew Brees on that comment. That's good stuff. Hall of Famer Kevin Garnett is dismissing the thought of having his jersey retired in Minnesota due to a broken relationship with T-Wolves ownership. Sad stuff, right? You know, this really is. And I was thinking about this not too long ago. If it wasn't for Kevin Garnett, uh, the Minnesota Timberwolves, there, there would be no reason to ever discuss them in terms of uh, his, uh, NBA history. Then this is just sad. Their best player ever. And this is where we're at. He don't, he don't even want them to retire his jersey. That, that's terrible. In an interview with Howard Stern, former Patriots quarterback Tom Brady, who replaced Jameis Winston, by the way, says he has no resentment towards Bill Belichick for not making him a Patriot for life. You believe him? I do to a, a point. It's like this. I look at it like, you know, like a marriage almost. Like if you've been married with, with someone for 20 years and then you think in your mind, listen, we're going to be like this for the rest of your life. And then it gets like crazy at the end. And look, y'all got to split ways. That don't mean you can't come to the, the same conclusion like this is not going to work. You're going to go your way. I'm going to go my way. I don't hate you. You don't hate me. Let's go on by our business. So I look at it like that. It is possible that, hey, he did get let down a little bit and he don't hold resentment because he understands this is a what-have-you-done-for-me-lately business. He's getting old. He know what time it is. But listen, Tom Brady going to be fine because there's a lot of teams coming for him. He's getting paid a lot of money to continue playing football, so it's not the end of the world. So, yes, I do believe him. Free agent pass rusher Jadavius Clowney remains unsigned and his return to Seattle looks like a long shot. According to Mike Guhavlo, or the NFL Network, are you surprised Clowney remains unsigned? Uh, no, I'm shocked. This is this is tragic. Uh, he, I don't know what it is. There's a serious disconnect between Jadavion Clowney and NFL teams, and I, I guess just they pull up the stat sheet and is hey, you had three sacks. Why do you want $20 million? I mean, we got to get real at some point. So uh, I, I guess did. we'll see it. I thought he went down to 17, 18 million. They still don't he want did. him. Out. Yeah, he did. Yeah, and uh, I guess, I guess, I think Seattle offered him 15, and that's that's still not good enough. So, anyways, uh, recently in an interview with ESPN's uh, Brett Okamoto, UFC President Dana White said he is close to securing an undisclosed island where he could conceivably book fights for international athletes who can't come into the U.S. Drink. What are your thoughts about this news? I love it, baby. Dana White. 
think about size the box out low, and that's what we need, baby. You can't, hey, you can't get the fight going in the U.S. Go buy an island. We do it in the island. Listen, I love it. This is a guy that's trying to roll out a product, entertain us. He's taking a lot of risks going against everything that we're trying to accomplish in the United States when we're talking about social distancing and keeping the coronavirus down. And Dana White said, yeah, holla at your boy. I'm going to go get this island. We're going to get these fights cracking. So it's good for uh, UFC fans. It's good for MMA. And I just think it's good for America in general. He's trying to give us a product to watch during these hard, hard times. So I love it. All right. Well, that concludes today's Drink of Wisdom. I'm Cody Ward. I'm Jay Waz. And I'm Nathan Drinker. And remember, make tomorrow better than today and make today better than yesterday. And you know what we're going to do. We're going to holler at you until next time, baby.